Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, it is indeed happy Father's Day, and every man, every dad has their convictions. They have their what, everybody? Conviction. That, was, that wasn't even said with conviction. I mean, like, that, that, that doesn't work. This, this needs to be said with conviction. Every man, every dad has his what, everybody? Conviction. Yeah, convictions. It, it's, those are the things that you believe deeply, and therefore you stand for them. Now, I have my convictions when it comes to the right meat and the right way for Father's Day. And Jeremy was close. By the way, you don't cut off the fat. You need that. It holds it together. I'm not saying he did it wrong. He just didn't do it right. So, so, so let, let, me just, let, let me just help you. There is a right meat for Father's Day, and it is pork ribs. It, it, it's not brats day. It's not burger day. It's not chicken day. This, this is resurrection glory day. Remember, the Jews couldn't eat pig prior to the resurrection of Jesus. And then afterwards, you can eat pig. You get it? Glorious. Things got better. Even the great theologian Jim Gaffigan offered insight for us when he said, pigs are amazing. You can feed a pig an apple and he makes bacon. I'd like to see Michael Phelps do that. So thank you for that, Jim. So there's the right meat. It's, 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 it's pork ribs. And, and then there's a right way. And the right way, you need them tender with the right texture. And you don't do that all on the grill. You might not know this. So here's the secret. You actually bake your ribs before you grill them. Men, bake them at 350 for like 75 to 90 minutes. Then you take them off. By the way, you, you bake them in a pan where they almost broil in their own fat. That's why you need all the fat. Don't be cutting off the good stuff. Then, then you take it out to your grill. You, you get it out to your, to your green egg and you use your, your chemical-free, nicely chunked charcoal. And, and then you might want to throw in maybe some some. Yeah, not chips, not pecan-like little wood chips. You, you need something of substance to throw in here. Little chips, they, they, they burn too fast, they don't smoke. And by the way, we're not trying to smoke it. We're just trying to get a hint of flavor. They're already wet from being cooked. Now you place them on there, and now you're going to get the grill marks, you're going to get the texture, and then you smother it with the love of God. Sonny's sweet by sweet meat. You barely want to taste the meat. You just need something to chew while you suck down the sweet. Then you do not take it off the grill until everybody is seated. Then you pray because you've kept it at about 225, 250. Then you pray. Then you go have the glory. Then you go get them. You walk in. The angels sing. You set it down. You eat them hot. This stuff of putting it down and then it takes everybody 30 minutes to get to the table is a serious mistake. By the way, this is my tradition. It's my conviction. And you know it's a conviction because I actually do it. My kids have watched it for decades. They know what's coming today after the teaching. See, a conviction is not what you say in a conversation. 
It's what you actually practice. It's how you know it's a conviction. We're going to be talking about convictions today. Men, dads, the encouragement is to you. You're encouraged to walk out your godly convictions. God's going to encourage you today in a world that says, don't do, oh, don't, don't follow your convictions, but, but we're going to. We are in part two of a two-part series. Remember where we left off on this whole, what does the church believe about love? That's the conversation we're in. Last week, part one, we leaned more into the love others. And, and today we're going to lean into loving God. Remember, Jesus was asked the question, what's the first and greatest command? Here was his answer. Let's look at Matthew. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all. Everybody say all with me with conviction. You ready? I'll read it and then you say it when we get there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. This all, all, all means you are all in. This is a God first lifestyle. Your first conviction is to love God with your all. It's all or nothing. This casual kind of religious sort of in a relationship with God, evaluating his convictions. No, no. This, this is what transforms your life when God's commands become your convictions. Got it? Write it down. Set it in your soul. Navigate this deep in the way you think so it translates to the way you live. Your life is not transformed until the commands of God become your convictions. Just because you know them is rather irrelevant to meaningless. Satan knows them. He just doesn't do them. Your life is transformed when you transform your practices to cooperate with the convictions of God. So that's where we're going to go today. And we're going to ask some questions while we do that. Dads, how do you practice loving God first? That's where we're going to go today. We're going to just get practical. How do you practice loving God first? I want to tell you why I've been compelled to talk about this. Decades ago, early in my journey as I became a dad, God settled something rather deep in my soul. I would call it a conviction. And it is that the best way, hear me, the best way to love my kids is to love God first. Just sit in that for a second. The best way to love my kids is to love God first. So you're figuring out, man, how am I going to love my kids? What does that mean? What is it? I think the best way to love your kids is to love God first. When he settled that in me, it transformed. I, I, I have the encouragement of God to love him with my all, and that is the best way to love my kids. See, all of us are under pressure. Let, we're going to have some honest dialogue while we encourage dads. Uh, I'm a dad. I get I got four kids. We're all under the same pressures. We all, we all have the pressure to provide. We, we all feel the weight and the burden, the collision of more priorities than we can keep up with. We all have a private world where we wrestle with the weight of this and many times carry pressure in a way nobody even understands. And, and while we're in the midst of that, we either live like self-made men or God-made men. Hear me, self-made men or God-made men. 
if David, King David could encourage us and he was endeavoring to do, the Holy Spirit was writing through him. In Psalm 103, he wrote these words. These are almost great Father's Day kind of scriptures to adhere to. You almost want to write this down and, and read it before you go to bed tonight, dads. Here it is. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Let me just pause. Your heaven, men, Dads, your heavenly father is fathering you while you are fathering your children. While you are parenting your kids, he's parenting you. While you are endeavoring to love them, he's loving you. You're not doing this on your own. You have a heavenly father. He is their first father. You're their earthly father, their second father. Two dads are working on this. Thank God we're not doing this alone. There's a lot of pressure in this whole parenting thing. So as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That is, fear him. Revere him first and foremost. Revere him first. Revere him what? First. This is the all thing. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of men is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. The scripture goes on, but hang on. You're not self-made. You're God-made. You are from God, created for God, deeply loved by God. You are accountable to God. You are nothing more than grass that flourishes and then fades, and you will spend eternity with or without him. Your God made. Live to love God with your all. Live with God first. Follow his convictions. See, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. That is who love him. And his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant, that is his commands become their convictions, as you, if you will. And remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules, his kingdom rules, his kingdom rules over what? Oh, the reason we love him with our all is because he rules over all. We don't make him first. He already is first. We just honor him as first. God is first. And by the way, this isn't concessionary. Let me just pause right here. I know some are spiritually unresolved. I know some listening in today are like, man, I'm on the fringe of faith. I know some, man, I'm more atheistic. I don't buy this. I know some are Christians, followers of Christ, and we need the encouragement of our convictions in a world that's pushing against us. Let me say this. Loving God with your all is not a concessionary life. It's not like, oh, well, I'll do it. I know socks. I'm going to get a horrible life. No, this is how you get the best life. God's put dreams and desires and passions in you. God has created you and give you life and breath. God has given gifts, talents, and abilities and time. And God's saying, you want this, the best that I've designed for you, the dreams that I have for you. Listen, this comes by you loving me with your all. And you have to live convictionally. By the way, your convictions cost. If your, if your convictions cost you nothing, they're worth nothing. Of course they cost you in business, in time, in money, in the way the world thinks you think completely different if you love God with your all because the world doesn't love him and you can't love him half. It's an all or nothing proposition. It's why so much of the faith is broken. It's why it's so difficult as a man to be a man in this world because there's so much conflict and so much halfway. This is all. I finished a book recently. Uh, a simple biography by Eric Little. 
He was born in 1902. He's Scottish and, and he grew up in settled a faith relationship with Christ, wanted to honor God in his life. He was incredibly fast, athletically speaking. He could run the 100 meter like no one. In fact, he had the fastest time in, in Europe and the Olympics were coming in, in 1924 in Paris. And, and, and he got on the Olympic team and he was already famous in Scotland. And he told his sister, I'm going to, God made me fast. I'm eventually going to be a missionary, but I'm going to run for God. I'm going to honor God. And then I'm going to use that platform to tell people about Jesus. I mean, this is how settled he was in his conviction. Then he found out coming into the Olympics that his heat, his qualifying heat in the Olympics was to be run on Sunday. But he had a conviction, biblical conviction that Sunday, the Lord's day is the practice of Christian Sabbath. I can't work. I worship. Regardless of what goes on in the culture, I can't work. I worship. He had to made a decision. What am I going to do with this conviction? I mean, I can't dishonor God to honor God. I can't go run and work in a way to honor God and demonstrate he's first. He made the decision that he would not run in the Olympics for the hundred meter. Which brought so much offensive anger. I mean, the media turned on him. Scotland, the people turned on him. He was he was crushed in his soul and he had to stand. That's what conviction does. Man, God's encouraging you to stand on his convictions. So on the day the qualifying heat happened, he was in church worshiping somebody else who was winning races. Somebody else eventually won the gold. As concession, they invited him to run the 400, but that wasn't his best. He was a sprinter. They even said he has no chance to win anything in the 400. Because you can't sprint 400 meters. Anybody know the end of the story? Apparently you can. <laughs> he sprinted 400 meters. He set a world record and got the gold and God got the glory. <laughs> Listen, you are going to feel the pressure of having to stand. Love God first. It's the most rewarding life on earth. So we're going to talk about it. <laughs> Dads, how do you practice loving God first? There it is. And this is going to be, this is going to feel like I went fast because, because it is. Is this going to be more a shotgun than rifle? If you know anything about hunting, rifle is just a bullet like a 308, take the deer down. It's just one bullet. A shotgun is a shot shell. And, and while it's one blast, it has several BBs in it. I'm going to hit like several BBs, several practices, but together, it, it is a huge impact. So here's some of the BBs. The BBs, if, if you will, some of the practices. Uh, here's, here's one. Dads, how do you practice loving God first? We'll put it right here. How do you practice loving? Here's a conviction. Talk with God first. Everybody read that with me. Talk with God first. You ready? Talk with God first. Make that a conviction. Maybe it already is. Well, then I encourage you to talk with God first. Here's what it means. Jesus had a conviction. He was a man of prayer. You, you have stories like in Mark 1 where he got up early in the morning while it was dark. I've done this before. I say God's not up. But anyhow, he, Jesus got up early in the morning to pray. They went looking for him. Disciples couldn't find him. Like, we got to get to work. People are looking for him. He says, yeah, hang on. I had to go tend, spend time with the father. The best fathers spend time with their father. I was talking with a friend over dinner. He's accomplished in business. He runs a multi hundreds of millions of dollar company. 
And he knows he's not a self-made man. He's a God-made man. So he's got convictions. And as we were just talking over day, he said, yeah, you know, international phone calls keep pushing my hour earlier and earlier in the morning. He said, I, he was just casually talking. He said, but, you know, it doesn't change my priorities. You know, I just had to get up at 4.30 so that I could have my time with God. Prayer. Be in God's word. After last Sunday, Marsha and I stopped at Firehouse Subs, get a sub and met a 12 stoner we'd never met. And in the brief conversation, great guy in the brief conversation, he said, hey, you know what? I, I've been reading Psalm, the 150 Psalms each day with us. Man, good for you. This, I'm, let me, let me, if you've never seen this, the reason many people never spiritually grow up, I, I, I don't have time for it and I'm going to do it anyway. The, the reason many people never spiritually grow up is because we don't know how to grow up. If you've never seen me do this, this will help you. If you've seen me do it, then reinforce it and just say, yay, God, I know this. That when we're born, we're born dependent. Like we're dependent on our parents. I have, we have another grandbaby, Maverick. He can't do anything. He's adorable. He can smile. This is, he's amazing, but you got to change his diaper. You got to feed him. You got to do everything for him. Eventually, you want him to grow up and become what? Independent. Say it with me. You want him to become what? Independent. Did you, you, We've said it before, when they're young, you can't imagine them leaving. When they get older, you can't imagine them staying. So we're empty nesters. Jaden's going to have to go to college. He's, he's sitting here. Love you, son, but you need to go so we can miss you. So, so, so it's got to move from dependent to independent, right? Listen, listen, that's growing up in this world, in a material world. How do you grow up spiritually? Watch this. You move from independent to dependent. I am the vine, you are the branch. When we described last week of the colander sitting in the love of God, staying, it, this is becoming a person who's in prayer and in the word. And by the way, this, men, fathers, this is where you process all your pressure until you get peace so that you can go love other people. Much of what's broken, our marriage and our family, our work, the world around us, is because we work under so much pressure without peace that we can't love anyone or love life. You go settle all that pressure with God so that you can go be about others. It's a conviction. Talk with God first. So how you doing, guys? Is it, dads, just decide, are you going to talk with God first or not? Either you are or you're not. Don't just, oh, okay, that's a good one, move on. No. Are you or are you not? Another one. Just, they're just kind of another BB in the shot shell. Dads, how do you practice loving God first? Here's one. Thank God first. Say it with me, everybody. Do what? Thank God first. Just, I'm just going to highlight it. James 1.17 says and reminds us that every good and perfect gift is from God. So just thank God. Make a practice of your habit of your heart. Every time something good happens, thank God. Hang on. I don't know why every time something bad happens, people say, what's wrong with God? How about every time something good happens, we thank God? Get in the habit of saying, you know what? Every good thing happens. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Say it out loud. Say it to your kids. Teach your kids. He rules over all. Cultivate gratefulness. Even Jesus, we see a couple times before he had a meal, he, he, he offered prayer over the meal. He said, thank you, God, for the food. Just cultivate gratitude. Hey, I know being a dad is sometimes thankless. I get it. This is our day. It's all about us. It's because we sort of know it's really not about us. I don't know if you saw the comedian recently on Father's Day. It was hilarious. It, he talked about, did you know Father's Day 
on the list of holidays is number 20. That's all the more it gets. Number one is Christmas. Number two is Mother's Day. That means it's all about Jesus and your mama. And, and then he says, there's 18 other holidays ahead of us. I don't even know 18 more holidays. All I know is it never really is about us. Hey, maybe it's thankless, but listen, you have the most influence over your kids. Lead godly convictions. Thank God first. Here's another one. Kind of another BB in the shot show. Honor God with first fruits. Honor God with first fruits. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 says, honor God with the first fruits. It, what it means is your crops have fruit and they, you know, they produce a, a, a return and you give the first part to God. Why? Why would you do that? Because God's your provider. You got to settle. Otherwise, you're going to take the pressure and, and think you're your own provider. You're going to think you're a self-made. You're not. God is the provider. And, and God being the provider, you're, you're doing work with God. Back then, it's, it's harvest. Now, whatever business or work you're in. And you honor God with first because God is first, because God gave it to you, because God owns it all, and because he asked for it. And listen, when you don't honor God first, you drift into the conviction that you're a self-made man, and it undoes you. God doesn't need it. You need it. I practiced this for years because I, I know I'm in the same battle as everybody else. Matthew 6, Jesus talks about it. In this world, you're either going to love God or man, and you can't serve both. You can't serve God and this, this materialistic, demonic influence that, that makes money greater than God in your heart. You're going to have to defeat that giant. Don't attach your identity, your manliness, or the measure of who you are by money. It's, it'll undo you. It's empty. God rules over all. So honor the one who rules over all. So when my little kids had their little jars, 10, 10, 80, the first 10% goes to God. They get their, their, their little monies and they honor God with the first 10. They, was that going to change the kingdom of God? No, it's going to change them. They become adults. They honor God with first fruits. It's the very first. I had a 12 stone couple hand me a check and for me for the church and offering. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Good. Why are you doing that? And they said, because we sold our business. And that's the tithe, the first 10% off it. And come to find out, they, we've been practicing that since we were in our 20s and entrepreneurs because we knew that God's our provider. It would take God to bless. We honor him first. We got to love him with all. Why do any of us do that as followers of Christ? Listen, it's not a charitable contribution. It's an act of worship. The Old Testament talks about tithe the first 10%. And the New Testament loves and loves more than tithe. Listen. It's just us dads, a little moment here. There were, there were times when my kids had friends who had so much more than us. And they would ha you have that like, wow, almost envy. And when they get in middle school, I show my kids what our giving is. I don't show it to anybody else, right? Here's our giving. And when they see what we give away between tithe and then giving division, and then what we give that nobody even sees to individuals, and we, they see the lifestyle I help them understand we could have more stuff, but we would have less life. You're going to have to settle your convictions. How about it, dads? What do you practice? What do you teach your kids? Here's another BB on the shotgun. Uh, dads, how do you practice loving God first? Here's one. Honor godly purity first. Do that personally and pass that on to your kids. I mean, I, listen, I can't make as my kids... Uh, 
become sexually aware in this world, the beautiful gift that God has given. First of all, I annoy them because I, if, I remind them that's how they got here. Their mom's awesome. And if you want to know how you got here, there was this night. And it's the grossest amount. It's fantastic. I love it. And then I say, don't you do that until you're ready to have little use. Wait until you're married. But you know what? I can't stop them. They do, honestly, they can hide. They can cheat. They can do whatever they want. They can steal. They, they can do anything they want. So I tell them, if you're going to change the values and the convictions of God, don't do it in a moment of passion. Satan destroys you with lust and calls it love, destroys you with immorality and calls it love, and makes you do it in a moment of passion rather than thought. And then you hold the secret, and the secret keeps you in sin. Break the secret. Tell me ahead of time. Just have the courage. If you have a conviction that you're not going to honor God and his design, which is the best life, and you're going to dismiss it, listen, have the courage to tell me ahead of time. You and your boyfriend or you and your girlfriend, if you're one of my sons, you come sit down with me and say, hey, dad, we're going to have sex. I said, I promise you, you won't have the courage to do that. So if it's not convictional, don't be foolish. But if you do, let me know. Say, listen, everybody, there's, there's a little something here. The way you undo sin is by breaking the secret. If you have to tell something before you do it, it actually helps you stop. In fact, that's how you break pornography addiction. You break the secret. Somebody has to know. You got to have brothers who know your temptations. And you tell them every time you look and every time you're tempted, you break the secret. Satan is destroying us by making us act like we have godly convictions on the outside and then living secretly in the world's convictions. You got to break the secret. There is a better life God has for us. Pass that on to my kids. Here's another one. Give wisdom for culture and politics. Uh, you'll notice <laughs> I said give wisdom. When I say give wisdom, I've got to say a couple things here. It's just on my mind. Tossstone is not a political tool. I've said that. It's not a political tool for you or for me to wield. Fair enough. Because we put Christ ahead of Constitution, Constitution ahead of culture. And in this, particularly this season, it is inappropriate to take something other than the authority of God's word to establish and pretend like you have to join a political party or position or politician before you come to Jesus. So that's not our purpose. We address that here. However, listen, at home, I'm a political monster, just so you know. A polit I, we have conversations from the time they get into middle school until they graduate and even through college about capitalism, socialism, Marxism, communism. We have conversations about economics and policy and international and foreign policy. We have conversations about who should have to bake a cake. We have all the conversations that sit inside the reality of the Supreme Court and what's going on in our culture and what's going on in our nation. We talk about the reality that some people, even under the name of even who follow Christ as Christians, are supporting things that eventually are bringing about the persecution that's coming to the church in the name of Christ. Aren't we paying attention? Men and women, there is a spiritual war and a moral war going on, and our nation is deep in the midst of it. And if it doesn't have biblical authority, I'm not bringing it from the stage, but if it does, I'm going to. I don't care if they call it political. If it's biblical, we're going to talk about it because we are biblically correct, not politically correct. So we have to settle how we're going to transfer this into the lives of our kids. And listen, just a side thought, and then, and then I'm going to go to Dave, because Dave Birchall and I are going to have a little conversation. Last week, we had a conversation with, with his daughter, Lindy, and talked about this, this whole 
prodigal child thing and the complexity of that as a dad. And Dave and I are going to go sit down and have a little conversation about it. But I, want, I just want to add this final thing. Man, dad, what you do for your kids is you teach them what to think for the first 11 years and then how to think the next seven years. Yes, you bring them to church and you make them go to church for the first 11 years every Sunday consistently. Why? Because you're teaching them what to think. You're serving in children's ministry. You're helping. Why? Because you're teaching them what to think. I'm always fascinated by people say, oh, my parents made me go to church, so I'm not going to make my kids. I'm not trying to be unkind, but that's dumb. Yeah, that was unkind. Yeah, let me just tell you why it's dumb. My, my parents made me go to church. They also made me go to school. They also made me do homework. They also made me change my underwear. They also made me take baths. They also made me eat vegetables. Are you kidding me? You're not going to make your kids do any of that? What are we talking about? Of course you do. What has to shift is in the next season of life, you have to teach them now why is that the way to live? Teach them how to think. That helps them. But you know what? We're trying to live a God first life, but they got to decide the life they want to live. See, it's God first, not family first, not marriage first, not kids first, not compassion first, not love others first, not career first. It's not money first, it's not sex first, it's not recreation first, it's God first. But when you lay that foundation, your kids still get to make a decision. And what we need, men, is we need brotherhood. You can't do this alone. And that brings my friend Dave into the conversation. So everybody get up for Dave Birchall. Dave, come on up here, my friend. All right, buddy. Yeah. We've talked about doing this. I know this is not your favorite thing. No, you should not. give him some more encouragement, okay? This, yeah. We have been uh, prayer partners for years, friends for 25 years or so. Yeah. Uh, we have talked through. You've been accountability. Uh, you know my finances when I make financial decisions. You're one of the, the clearing gates. You've sometimes said, man, you're making sense. Sometimes you say you're kind of stupid. Um, you're not afraid of me. You're afraid of God. You're afraid of God for me. I do the same for you. I've confessed stumbling sins, temptations both ways. Because you can't do this. In fact, when we were talking and preparing for this, I said, give me some of the convictions you have for your kids. And I, I remember you said uh, things like Mets and Jets. You said, honor your mom. You said, you can't do this alone. Let's talk about those. Oh, okay. What, what, what are some of those convictions mean? Um, well, I think the first one we uh, talked about was the fact that real convictions is that I, I don't do it alone. There are people in my life, there are men in my life, okay, who know everything or I meet with regularly and I talk with at certain levels based on that relationship. Obviously, ours was so deep. It was everything on that. Um, and you can't do it. You're not going to survive. You're not going to be able to walk without having that true relationship. So I have guys in my life. I have ever since I got that aha moment who meet with me at regular times um, during the month or the year. This has been going on for years and years with people. So, so this, is just, That's this just is just dad's general encouragement. Dad's, yep. You, we, you make things happen, go make that happen. That part of the beauty of the church is brothers in Christ. You share the same values. You're growing in the same convictions. Encourage one another because yeah. the world pushes against that. It's tough to stand. It's, it really is. But you can't do it alone. What's the message? Yeah, I know that was next. I know you want that one. Oh, um, you were talking about the it. Message, well, ever since my um, 
kids were babies. I mean, really young. As far as they walked, some of them, my daughter Lindy couldn't even walk when she was a Jet fan, literally. And my, my boys, the same way. And so all the time we were just at Jets Mets, and we just, we're from New York, I grew up in the whole deal. So um, that went on and on and on. In fact, uh, Mike had his birthday, my second born, my son, a couple of weeks ago. And he asked his wife, Julie, what do you want for my birthday? And Julie asked him, what do you want for your birthday? And what do you want? And he goes, wiffle ball game. We got to play wiffle ball. Because when you play wiffle ball, it was a Mets game. We played this as little kids. And they want a big game, so we'll have a wiffle ball game, have everybody over. So we built the thing. My, my other son built a new backstop. It was up and down, and it's, it's phenomenal engineering feat. And Mike's number one was to play wiffle ball. Don't we have pictures? You sent me pictures. Do I we did. Have those I guys? Come on, two nights ago, about on. midnight. Okay, there we go. Oh. See, so you're not just talking about this is yeah. real deal. We all wear yeah. mats. And then don't you, where's the picture of the kid? Yeah. yeah, and there's yeah. the kids back oh, in the day a, yeah, late, being Jets. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, any Jets or Mets fans at all? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah my That's dog. what I expected. No, nobody. Sorry. So, sorry. no, I'm, I'm sure you're somebody. In fact, the only people that yelled were the family, honestly. Yep. Some of you are online, like up in that Northeastern <laughs> territory. <laughs> That's okay. I forgive you. Okay, it's okay. By the way, um, uh, I oh. have to ask. Why is this sitting here? <laughs> By the way, just if brothers to see what I'm looking at. Uh, what? You're a man. What? What is that? Yeah. What? Well, last night my my uh, my granddaughter happens to be here today. Lindy's a daughter, and we're we're pretty close. And we're down. We meet regularly when she comes over, obviously. And we're down in the basement talking. And I talked about what we're going to talk tomorrow. We're going to go to church, and and um, and I said some of the things I'd write down on here. What we might talk about tomorrow. So I don't know. So we sat together. She gave me the, just the, and wow, wow. And it said, and wow, so grandpa, so grandpa. Go, well, then you can, you can, you can take it home too, honey, when you leave. Oh, oh, oh. so after we're finished here, this becomes hers. So, um, I, That's I, I don't know. I have it with, what I they do to us is quite something, isn't it? Yeah. We don't, we don't mind. We'll look stupid for them. Yeah. But that's, yeah. Anyway, so honor and your mother. What, yeah, the, uh, the whole thing. Well, it was the cool thing about that is you have your honor, your mother, their mother. Okay, with my kids growing up, um, the most important, the, 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 she is number one in her home. I'll go God. Outside of God. You know, I'm gonna shift, you know, obviously that, that's the, I'll give you everything. I said say it because I heard a really good teaching on it. Okay, you know, you're done. You're just, I can't do that. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just a soldier. You're the captain. So, uh, it's okay. Um, I, it's because it's true. They, they have to. And with the, with the kids, when I was playing ball and what have you together, I wanted them to love. Let me put, I wanted my kids when playing sports and all the rest of that's fun and all. I want them to love the things that I love. Underneath that, if you will, or on top of it, is that's the reason why we're playing it to this day. And they're all in their 30s. We'll play. I wanted them to know what that looks like and what love does. And that their mother, I love and you learn how to love her. It'll be kiddo. And we will. It is a conviction. And it will take place. And it's not a, a brutal, you better or you'll be punished. Or no. No. Love your mother. And she. Because I have to steward her, guys. And I would talk to them. I have to steward. Because your mother is God's daughter. First. Not my wife. And we're together. In the, God's daughter. Take care. 
You gotta take care of God's daughter and take care and honor her. So outside of the love of God in our household was loving Karen. I know how deep that ran. We've been close. And at the top of that is loving God and you want your kids to love God. And so when Lindy courageously shared the story of going prodigal from Luke 15 last week and walks away from her father's convictions, her heavenly father's convictions, and so graciously shared uh, the story, felt lost, ended up online, uh, connected with a guy named Kenneth, uh, ending up uh, in secret, pregnant, losing the baby, nobody knows, and then walks away from the family and leaves a note. Uh, here's just a slice from the conversation from last week, and we'll talk about it. And I felt completely lost, but like these people online, they're, they're really interested in who I am as a person. So um, one person in particular, this gentleman, um, we start talking a lot, and he actually came from Texas to Georgia, and I was going to meet him. I remember sitting in the parking lot, like right before I met him, and thinking to myself, um, at this moment, I am going to either choose to follow this life to quote unquote be myself and be free, or I have to choose my family. I cannot have both. And I sat in the car, I remember just having this debate and then getting out of my car and walking in to meet this guy and just basically surrendering any kind of relationship I would ever have, uh, surrendering a relationship with God because God will never love me and God can never accept me for what I'm about to, uh, what I'm about to do. And at that point, I'm like, I can't stay here anymore. I have to leave. So um, on June the 5th, I actually left and um, the gentleman came to, to Georgia. He flew in and I had a whole story lined up. I wrote a letter to my parents saying, this is not your fault. This is not your issue. You know, keep doing your Bible thing. Keep doing your God thing. Y'all are doing great. Keep it up. But I can't live this way anymore because you have no idea what I'm going through. And he met me and we ended up driving, driving to Texas. We don't have this conversation publicly. We never have. In fact, we hardly talk about it once God solved it. But I asked you if you could take a couple of moments with us here, because um, that's hard on a dad. How do you, what, 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 what's going on in you when you find the letter and you learn about Kenna? The first was an explosion in me for two reasons. Number one, what she just did to her mother. You can't get your hands around that. Um, inside of me, there's that the feel for them, what's going on. The other was, I wanted to hurt this man. What is going on here? The anger explosion internally took place. I have never, ever known before and they you wonder what could I could have done that I went to, when I went to West Point I went that's one of the school we learned how to fight we know how to defend we had this is a war going on here and there's the enemy and I would have oh, everything aside I take that and learn in the army you I could do it I could do something so that's what overwhelmed me to attack and go after him what's he doing to my daughter and my wife and Karen it was enormous I think everybody could guess the emotional intensity. Maybe we don't, can't sit in it for 20 minutes, but we can get there. Uh, we talked, I said, well, Dave, let's go see your daughter and go love her like God loves her. 
And we did all that work to like locate her in Texas and get on a plane and fly there and had to use the local law enforcement to, because they're of legal age and yep. you know, we don't want to create a domestic violence uh, situation. And she said, my dad, huh, my dad is passionate. My dad has some intensity in him. My dad would tend to express himself. And um, I was waiting for that. In fact, I'll just, let's just play the slice from Lindy's comment. You told me later something surprised you the most and how your dad handled that. So I am expecting like guilt and tears and anger and like I'm some kind of extreme emotion. And I never got it. Not once did my dad ever show any extreme emotion. I have no idea how he did that. And he said, are you coming home? And I said, no. He's like, make sure you call your mom. We love you. We want open communication. Gave me a hug and he got back in the car and you guys left. I don't know how my dad did. By the way, nobody does, right? Like you're in that moment and you're going to explode. Um, should we tell them the truth about what we were, what was going on behind the scenes? We, 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 we met them at the house. We ended up going to lunch. It was awkward. Uh, Linda, you remember that, how awkward that was? And <laughs> yeah, were you, 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 our pastor asked me if we would like to go to the bathroom together. <laughs> Literally we're at lunch. I'm like, hey, hey, Dave, are you, are you, do, do you want to go to the bathroom with me? <laughs> It was like, you know, it's like your dinner with the girls and the girls go, hey, yeah. I'm going to go to the restroom. Oh, I'm going to go too. And they all talk locked to the bathroom and all the guys sit there. What, what do we not know oh. about what's going on? Oh, we're going to freshen up. What does freshen up mean? You already look good. You can't get better. What are you really saying about us? That's what we, that's what we want to know. So we had a, 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 a man moment, but here's, and why? I, I, yeah, the, well, the whole. The I reason, saw you were losing. Yeah, he friend. saw it. He, I, think I could not see what Kevin could see during all. Obviously, I'm totally an emotional. As Lindy said, I'm drill, an emotional type of personality. Okay, so, so I couldn't even function. And of course, all was going on here, and he knew that. So he was. Kevin was That's leading brothers. that. He knew something was really going right. Well, he knew I, something was starting to fade over here at dinner. We're sitting at dinner table with her and and, and Kenneth and you know. And, and, Oh, let's go to the bathroom. Oh, so we go in because I had to, he knew I had to explode. Yeah. Because I was not, it was a miracle. This whole thing that, they, that Lindy just mentioned, the, the quietness in my behavior is a miracle. I cannot believe I hadn't exploded yet. We're going out to dinner with the guy <laughs> in his house, sweating a little tiny little tea around when he, when he found him. The police came at the end ready to say, you can't do anything. You can't go in there. And we have to the 12th hour until we finally were able to get in there. I mean, this is all bump, bump. I'm ready to go and take my daughter and let's go home. And so, now we're going to one to the next to the next to the next. And then so men, it will take the wisdom and the strength of God for you in family, marriage, work, and the whole of life when things are blowing up inside you, not to blow up around you. It was blowing up. Should we tell what we did in the bathroom? It was like a fighter. As a fighter. I, I'm, I, I, I I'm literally I massaging his shoulders. Like, brother, and I'm, if you lose it out there, you're going to lose your daughter. It was intense. Yeah, it was intense. And we walk out. Yeah, we looked silly. And then we walked out like, all right, we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 still looking at us funny. We got freshened. Oh, I'm glad you're better. Anyway, all right. That was a bad mother. That's an embarrassing moment, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. 
But what we did is we came out and we said, you got to love your kids like God loves your kids. Listen, we need to wrap this up. I'm going to say something. We prayed that God uh, would help you to love your daughter like God loves your daughter. And even when you don't share his values, he values us. And you loved your daughter well. And it was the open door. In fact, I remember her saying uh, in our conversation, Lindy, that she's so grateful that she had a foundation of faith to come back to. You know, dads, it matters what you pour into the life of your kids before they become their own. They get to make their own choices. But it matters that you pour into them. Last thing, Dave, um, I'm going to take freedom. I think I had your permission. When we met this week, we walked and talked and prayed. You said, you know, the Spirit of God brought Kenneth's name to you. I said, Dave, um, you got to make sure you're praying for that man and that you're forgiving that man. I hadn't done that. All these, it was 15 years ago this whole took place. And I had the Holy Spirit just took me. I had been praying for him. Not a thing. If anything, oh, what? But yeah, he said, yes, forgive him. And I thought the picture that the Holy Spirit gave was, was Jesus on the cross. Forgive them for knowing what they do and the suffering that he went through. And I felt I was going, suffering, why are you doing? Why are you putting? And forgive him. And I hadn't. And I am. I'm praying for it. It's not just a check mark, something I have to do. The Holy Spirit, though, his, he's lost. He just didn't know Jesus. Lena and I haven't even talked about it yet. It happened that walk we had. Yeah. We love God because God loves us. And the way God loves us is what makes it possible for us to love others. We're all prodigals. We need the love of God. So let's thank Dave for um, sharing with us. Love you, man. Appreciate you. All right. By now, you got it figured out that the real convictional issue is not what meat or how you cook on the grill. The real convictional issue is what are biblical convictions that will transform you if you'll change, transform, move God's commands into your convictions. Love God first. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.